Welcome to the We as Citizens podcast. Here is your host, Christina Crowley. Welcome to the podcast. Today I have with me Taylor Danielle. Uh, welcome. Happy to have you here today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Tell our guests a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I am a Texas girl born and raised. Um, I currently reside in Austin, Texas, uh, but I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, I'm 31, so excuse me, so good old millennial here um, and spent plenty of my time in the corporate and startup space. Um, And now I am in process of building my own business. And uh, so how I discovered you was through one of your websites, but also I know that you're starting a new live stream and a podcast called Is There Room For Me? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So my first podcast, Healing in Hindsight, is surrounding my journey as a type 2 diabetic. Um, I've been a diabetic for almost six years now, um, as well as, you know, bringing awareness and connecting other diabetic types together to share with the world our stories and that we can still thrive despite our diagnosis. But in that process, um, I'm three seasons in right now. I realized a topic that was a big passion for me and was just as much a big deal for me as, you know, my, my diabetes awareness work. And it kind of stemmed from, you know, my time in the corporate wheel and my, you know, livelihood as a woman of color um, of feeling like when I want to engage in something or pursue something that there's already a table Um, people are already sitting there and you have to kind of gain your, you know, admission to, to be a part of it. And it reminds me of this. um, I always think about back in high school when you're in the lunch line and you're looking for somewhere to sit. And I had a pretty eclectic group of friends. So you might have some friends in this corner, in this corner, and you're not sure where the heck do I sit? And am I allowed to, you know, you got the cool kids on one side and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so it just kind of built up this concept of like, you know, is there actually room for me to do the things that I want to do with all the different stigmas that are laid on you, whether it's because um, of your ethnicity, whether it's because of your gender, whether it's because of your age, you know, there's so many things that tell us that we're not allowed to, or we have to earn our keep. And so this was kind of born out of that because through my struggles with my diagnosis and even just in general as a young black woman, I'm trying to figure out where I belong. And it just sparked that I don't need to belong. I just need to belong with myself. And if that means creating my own space, well, hell yeah, let's do that. And so that's where this this show stemmed from is my journey of true self-acceptance and being willing to carve my own path and just sharing the message to others that, hey, if it's not designed for you, that's cool, make your own, so. And so I love the idea of, is there room for me because we all kind of, we've felt that before. Yeah. And, but was there one instance that made you that aha moment, you know, that gave you some clarity of what you were experiencing? Yeah. You know, it's actually when I started my first podcast, because, you know, when you're doing something, especially in the health and wellness space, um, it comes across like it's supposed to be inclusive of all. And then when you start to dig into that space, you realize not exactly. (laughs) And so uh, my first attempts at um, creating something with healing in hindsight, I actually tried to make it a blog at first before I turned it into a podcast. And that's, uh, I was probably around 2015. And that's when the nutrition and fitness you know, world was really booming in the blogging space. Instagram was really starting to take off. And I tried to fake my way into that space. I tried to mimic what I saw because that's what the success was coming from. And the people that I I was trying to mimic didn't look like me. And so it was hard to connect because I was trying to sway an audience that I could never relate to you, honestly. And so it started this journey of like thinking back in my corporate life, you know, I got into, you know, managing and I was a corporate trainer and even climbing that ladder was really difficult of feeling like all the doors were shut for me, but you want my opinion, especially because I'm a woman and then a woman of color on top of that on how we should run things and do things with the company, but I can't get the title or the seat to really, you know, affect change. So it just sparked all of these moments in my life of like me just waiting at the door and, and asking permission, can I come in? You know, is, am I allowed to sit here? Am I allowed to be here? Um, 
and feeling like those experiences might help somebody because I had to work through them. And through working through them, I discovered all it took was me being myself. And the more that I stopped asking permission to be myself in any space, the more things opened up for me because I was indirectly demanding respect of this is who I am and that should be enough. And if it's not, then I need to take myself somewhere else and I'll just go sit over here in my own corner and have a a great time (laughs) by myself and that's okay. So. And so it it sounds like you need to decide that you were enough. You you figured out that you were enough to go sit at that table to, or to create your own table. Yeah. Which do you prefer creating your own table or going and being with that group that, uh, that you were once a part of? You know, it's, it's funny because uh, the short answer is create my own, but you know, when I go back to that, uh, that lunchroom analogy, uh, I remember moments where I couldn't decide where to sit. (laughs) I couldn't, there was too many options. And, you know, um, there would be moments where I would literally find an empty table and just sit there. And then certain friends would just gravitate. And so I didn't realize how powerful those moments were because it was a subconscious sign of like, you are enough. And look, you sat there by yourself and people came to you. So it's not that you're not, you know, a valuable person. Um, You just have to realize and sometimes take the risk of sitting by yourself. And so um, I'm I'm also somebody who, you know, I don't mind following and, and being a supporter but I've always found myself called to lead in some form or fashion and being kind of a glue, you know, a go-between or a springboard um, to help two sides understand each other. You know, when I was a trainer, I had to help entry-level employees be understood by management and, you know, all these, you know, just certain middle ground positions, um, almost like a mediator. And even when I took my, my Myers-Briggs, you know, that came up, I'm a diplomat, I'm a mediator. <laughs> and so, you know, it's one of those things where like, I should own that. And, and owning that, that also means I need to be okay with going out on my own because I keep finding myself in these positions to speak up for somebody, to voice for somebody who, you know, doesn't feel safe or comfortable to do it for themselves. So um, creating my own has always been something that has trickled throughout my life, even as a kid of like, okay, you told me I shouldn't do this, but now that you're saying I shouldn't do this, I really want to do this. And so um, I, I definitely am not afraid of, of the, my competitive nature is really strong. So when someone tells me I can't do something or I shouldn't, or I'm not good enough or whatever, I just have to prove people wrong. So I'm definitely a create my own person. It sounds like also that the create your own is the ultimate act of, of self-love. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And it seems like maybe it led you because it seems like that. I mean, there is an innate need for us as people, as humans to, you know, to be together as groups to, mm-hmm. to fit in. Uh, but is, did it take, it sounds like it took a lot of strength to walk away a little bit from the group uh, to be able to fit in. Yeah. Um, because what I started noticing in choosing to, operate from how I feel first versus trying to make other people feel comfortable with me is, you know, we are conditioned to, um, uh, we, we have a natural draw for community. Yes. But we're also conditioned on what's right and what's wrong and what's acceptable and what's not. And it's my belief that that comes from somebody wanted to put rules in place so that way they could feel comfortable instead of meeting people where they're at. So the more that we operate from who we are, the more we can learn to accept the uniqueness of an individual, because yes, we have things that we can relate to. And yes, we have things like, you know, when you rip the skin off, we all look the same on the inside, right? But we are still snowflakes in the wind, right? Where we're all still very unique. We have individual fingerprints. And so if we don't show who we truly are, we'll never know how to adapt to those environments with people because we stay stuck in these boxes of, no, they said I need to be polite. No, they said I need to be this. No, they said I need to do that. Even though it's possibly killing me on the inside because I'm not free to be who I am. And so um, it is the biggest act of self-love of choosing to be you first 
because it's not your job to manage other people's emotions. It's your job to just bring what you can and be as honest as you can and let other people, you know, make those decisions for themselves. So, but it can't have been easy. No, no, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) So in, in doing that shift, it sounds like there was a shift of maybe peer groups for lack of a, of a better word, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe creating your own peer group while creating your own way in the world. How hard was it? And what did you, what did you do or use to get you through? Yeah. Um, the biggest thing that I advocate for is mental health, anything. So definitely therapy has been a huge part in that discovery, in that, um, ability to manage those hard moments, because the moment you start acting in your, in your true nature and your true self, you will see your circle shift. You will see people that you thought were your closest friends suddenly start to fade out for no reason. There's definitely some uh, relationships that I have zero closure on. They just stopped, you know? And so um, I had to be okay with not having the answers to the why and that whatever shift that I was going through in my growth, it triggered something in them. And they had to go find their own journey of of peace with themselves because I used to beat myself up. Like I did something wrong. What is it about me and chase them down? Like, please engage with me. I don't understand what I did wrong. And they either wouldn't respond or they couldn't tell me because they probably had no clue what it was. It's just every time I'm around you, I feel icky or this or that. And I had to stop taking on that burden of it's my fault. It's, it's, I, I, I see it as I shed a light. And that's okay. And it definitely hurts, especially friendships, especially female friendships. Um, There's a grieving process when you connect with someone and you share a lot of intimate moments or, you know, you go through challenges together and suddenly that breaks and you don't have any insight as to why, but it, it just became a regular habit of, you know what, I'm going to feel what I feel, right? Because part of that you know, growing process, part of that learning to be okay with these challenges is allowing myself to feel because we're told, especially as women, we shouldn't. (laughs) And, you know, if there's no place, there's no room, but there is, because when we bottle that up, that's how it implodes later. And sometimes that's what I feel is happening with these relationships is that implosion, because you see something that I wish I could do that. I wish I could just step out. My, my, My dad used to joke about you know, I play video games and uh, he tried to play video games with me and keep up as the consoles got, you know, more advanced. And I never read the manual when they still had manuals for video games. I never (laughs) read them. I just press buttons. I'm like, let's see what this does. Let's see what that does. And he's like, no, you got to read the manual. So my dad's, you know, reading through all (laughs) manuals on what buttons you're supposed to press. And he would get so upset because I would just, I would get skilled faster and, you know, every now and then I, I would take a peek, like, oh, that makes sense. But for the most part, just like, just try it. And he's like, I can never wrap my head around that because I feel like there's a, an order that you have to do to it until somebody shows you, no, you don't, you can try it a different way. You don't have to color inside the lines. If you want to do a whole landscape in the background, that's okay. And so in that process, um, you know, I needed to get with somebody who could help me you know, soundboard these thoughts and, and recognize this is a normal feeling and this is not. And hey, yeah, you might need to work on this area because you might have been wrong in saying this. And, um, you know, therapy and being okay to share how I felt and not hide that from people were probably the two biggest things that helped me, you know, get to a place of like, it's okay to be me because if I don't share my truth, in a respectful way, you know, I'm definitely not attacking people, um, and learning the right language to use. I think that that was a big piece is I'm not saying this is what you're saying, what I'm feeling, uh, what, what is Brene Brown, the story I'm telling myself, that's my favorite, (laughs) you know, um, to help people understand this is the messages that I'm receiving. This is what it's translating to me. So make sure I'm, I'm translating the right message. And if I'm not, I need to check that with myself. So sounds like you came to an understanding that, you know, people are in their own world, but yet people are telling themselves their own story. Yeah. And did that 
was that like a big moment for you? Because for me, I think, wow, you know, to to know that uh, it's it, it does change things. Yeah, my partner is probably God bless him because um, he is the person that I really discovered that through of like he's very literal. And I'm very imaginative. I'm very, you know, hopeless, romantic in my words, you know, Shakespearean sometimes, if you will. Um, and so it, it caused a bit of strain because I'm like, he'll say something very literal. And I'm like, no, what you're basically saying is this. He's like, no, I literally said this. Don't twist my words. This is exactly what I said, which is exactly what it means. And I found myself just hitting a brick wall because, you know, he's not getting overly angry. He's not reacting anything. And I had to challenge that within myself of like, okay, why am I becoming so emotional when he says something that's very literal? Um, and it's not actually these storylines that are, you know, I'm, I'm creating. And it's honestly just from years of doing that and, and not having a partner being able to check that with me. Um, there is a small bit of it of just my gut of like, this is what I'm feeling. And I've had to start using that language with him. Like when you say that, I kind of feel like it's coming across like this and sometimes I'm right. And sometimes I'm wrong, but taking that two seconds to confirm that makes all the difference. And now our language is so different. Like this made me feel like this. I know that's not what you were saying, but I just want you to know that I'm sorting through, you know, this emotion. <laughs> and so he is a big reason as to um, why I had to work through that because he, he wasn't, he was not letting me get away with this. Like that's whatever that little, little tail in your head is. It's not it. <laughs> so stop it. <laughs> Did knowing what you were learning along the way um, help you with the other thing in your life with your health diagnosis? You know, it seems like there was a lot to juggle. Yeah. Um, you know, between managing a, a condition that people can't see, um, unless I'm, you know, wearing my CGM or, or constant glucose monitor, as we reference it, um, or you see me taking my medication, or, you know, you don't really know that this exists. And so that's one battle by itself, because you're kind of mm -hmm. doing it silently if, if your circle isn't fully aware. And then in the professional realm, you know, I was coming up against so many walls of like, why can't we speak plainly? Why are we having meetings about another meeting? You know, when the plain answer is the workers are disgruntled because of this, y'all are doing this. Where's the middle ground in, in this? And why aren't we speaking in terms that make sense? We're talking in circles. You know, uh, there's just as much political speech in corporate as there is in, in government. Yeah. Yeah. I can't stand that. <laughs> and yeah. so, um, you know, as I was going through that and then trying to build the show while I was working, um, you know, I did get laid off, you know, in the midst of the pandemic. So my managerial job ended and then I stepped into another role with another company, um, which was a good step back. You know, I kind of got to go back to a role of, of um, being a subordinate versus being a leader, but I hated it. Yeah. And it wasn't because the company was bad. It was just, it was me taking so many steps back from where I was already going. And then my illness started to play another role. You know, I started having really bad migraines. Um, the civil unrest stuff was, was stressing yeah. me out, you know, yeah. and my partner's military and he had to be out on the COVID mission. Um, and so as a, you know, black military man trying to deal with a pandemic, you know, and traveling around the state, there was just, there's so much. And so I had to go on leave um, with my job because it, my body was literally responding. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, to all of this and yeah. I couldn't handle it. And so I ended up having to, to deal with some medical stuff on that side. And when I started to transition back to work, you know, me and my company just came to an understanding of like, you know what? I took this job because I was afraid because everybody was losing their jobs. Nobody was hiring anymore. And at the end of the day, I had bills to pay and I was scared that being on unemployment was yeah. not going to be it, right? Um, and, and this role it stifles me. I was a manager previously. I had a team of 15. I was training people and I'm back to kind of this entry level position, having to rework my way up. And I really believe I sold myself short. I should have held out and went for roles that were supposed to be, you know, continuing that growth, not taking a step back. 
So it was in that moment where my company was like, you know, we respect that. And if, if you need to, you know, heal, cause I was still recovering from, you know, my health situation, do that. Um, and we'll, we'll work with you on transitioning you out. And so um, I'm, I'm really grateful for how, you know, they gracefully let me leave. And that was the moment where I was like, you know what? I don't need to attempt anything else. I know how to get a job. That's not, that's not the hard part for me, right? But I haven't given myself true time to actually pursue doing it myself full time. Yeah. You know, I had savings and, you know, I was able to still get on unemployment to help, you know, with any supplemental mm-hmm. gaps. Um, and so I'm like, give yourself three or four months try it out, build the stuff that you were trying to do. And, and if it doesn't work, you can hop back in, you know? So it's been really awesome waking up and I get to choose what works for me today. I get to, to build the stuff that I want to build. And now I'm telling everybody, just quit your job. <laughs> you know? But I'm like, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe have a plan, but yeah. it was the most freeing moment to just be like, I am my job. Yeah. You know? So because fear, man, the, the, the past year was, it was just a fear-based year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to have a setback with your health, what physically did you do to, to manage that? Because I know for me, I do meditation. I couldn't have done enough meditation last year to get me through. It was, it was a rough year. Yeah, uh, yeah. I did get into meditation and... I actually struggled with it a lot, you know, which I, I feel like everybody has where they struggle with it because I thought I had to do it, you know, how all the gurus do it. And, and it took actually finding my own meditation um, style, you know, to, to be okay with it, you know, to recognize the thoughts are going to come and that's cool. You know, if you don't quiet them immediately, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You're taking a step. So there definitely was a lot of um, sitting in silence Um, but I think the biggest thing is I love to write. So journaling is something that stays in rotation. And I used to beat myself up when I'm like, I'm not journaling every day. And I recognize that that's okay too. Sometimes I have something to say. Sometimes I don't. And, you know, part of my job now is I spend a lot of time talking and it's, it's very therapeutic, even when I'm, you know, uh, you know, doing a guest episode or whatever. So sometimes they just, I just naturally relieve myself, but writing has always been a place that it's my world. So if I want to write out about the crazy stories that I'm telling myself, I can do that and I can release that there. You know, if I want to um, ramble about something weird that I've been thinking about, or um, I've been trying to log my dreams more, they're so weird though. So it's just like trying to remember (laughs) those details of like, I don't know why we were here, but this is what happened, you know? Um, I'm also a creative, you know, I was an art student um, when I was doing the college thing. And so um, painting and drawing or I love collaging. So my vision board in my room is is, it's pretty massive because I Mm -hmm. love imagery. And um, even then I had to, you know, kind of purge how I saw vision boarding because I was putting the wrong images to project the wrong, you know, everything, honestly. So even being very intentional about what I'm surrounding myself with, all of that really just kept me grounded through last year. Um, And then my friends, you know, I have a really great group of friends and, you know, we would do Zoom calls and, and, um, you know, uh, virtual brunch dates and things like that to just be able to connect and to be able to cry and, and be like, you know, life sucks right now. And that's okay. Because uh, I'm a true believer that even when things feel bad, you need to acknowledge that, you know, you can't just, it's okay. I'll just say an affirmation and it'll all go away. It's like, no, no, it's, it's, you have to acknowledge the, uh, the shadow, um, as much as we do the light. And so a lot of shadow work <laughs> was, was done, uh, last year because it was the world's way of saying, we all needed to pause in my opinion and be with ourselves and yeah. deal with ourselves. So, lots of time by myself and lots of reflection. Yeah. I, uh, I have a friend in England who, when this all started going down, um, you know, put out this post about, you know, we can't change the environment. We can't change the world. We can't do this. And then God's saying, okay, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> <just> here. <laughs> I'm going to make it happen. Yeah. 
seems like you have a lot of good supportive friends, but have you, how has the support been with your family, with your friends, with, with the coworkers, with, you know, and how do you filter out what may or may not be positive? Yeah, I was actually really shocked at the support that I've been receiving. And I realized that, you know, I think it's, it's good to notice patterns with people, but at the same time, every day is a new day and, and not to necessarily expect people to operate in that old habit, just kind of keep it, you know, just in case, you know? And so when I told my parents that I wasn't immediately finding new work and that I, you know, basically quit my job, I thought, especially for my mom who raised me like, you know, keep a roof over your head, keep a car, keep a job, right? Like keep yourself stable. Yeah. I was so scared, like almost panic attacks to talk to her about it because that was complete. What I was doing, what I am doing is completely opposite of everything that she was raised on. And for a little context, my mom is actually from Chiang Mai, Thailand. So she grew up, you know, in a country where, you know, food and things like that, you know, you're living in a bamboo hut, all that kind of stuff. And then came to the States and then grew up having to understand the American ideal while still dealing with the civil unrest. Um, And so, you know, my dad is a bass player, but he's also an IT professional. So he, you know, grew up understanding the fluidness of trying to be a creative artist and and make your name. So I knew he would be a lot more understanding because he knew early on that I was just going to do what I'm going to do. That's always been me. And he talks about when I was eight, we went to the Louisiana State Fair and my dad's an adrenaline junkie. So he loves roller coasters, all of that. And he wanted me to get on this crazy ride. When I was eight years old and I was just like, no, like, no, it was the first time I'd ever just stood up and like, no. And he even tried to get the attendant to convince me. And I'm like, no. And he's like, I knew right then and there, I would never have to worry about you. And so because of that, even when we've had our scuffles, I've stood for myself. And even when we've had to kind of go in our corners and cool off, we come back and we recognize and we communicate. And he's like, you know, not how I would handle it, but okay you know? And so when I had the conversation with my mom, I was shocked because she was like, well, you know, your generation is, is all about entrepreneurship and being able to, to try stuff for yourself. And that's not how I was raised. I don't think I could do that, but okay. And I cried when I hung up the phone because I was just dreading telling her, thinking that she's going to be disappointed in me. She's going to lecture me about, I need to go find another job, all that stuff. And it was totally opposite. She was just like, okay. And so my support has been surprising in that all the stuff that I thought they were going to say and do and not be supportive of were still stories I was making up in my head. So, you know, there have been some challenges in people not agreeing. You know, my partner didn't feel like I should immediately leave. He felt like I should save a little bit more um, before I left, but it was I felt myself so defensive, like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, you know, he's got the longevity, he's got the patience and I don't, you know, I'm I'm more of the fire of the two of us. And same thing. I thought he was going to be disappointed. I thought that he was going to judge me. And he's like, no, like, it's just not how I would do it. And that's okay. You know, and he cheers me on and he gives me words of encouragement because I need that, you know, um, to, to let me know that, you know, he cares. So it's definitely revealed some pockets of I was making too many assumptions with people in my support system, which makes me want to lean into them more because they're human. And at the end of the day, I can't manage their reaction. I can't operate in my decisions of, okay, well, mom and dad's going to be mad about this. If I say this, I don't know that. I just have to put it out there and be okay with that. Um, There have been some relationships that have kind of fallen off, but I'm not angry about them. It's just, we're, we're all just trying to live and figure it out because the world is completely shifted from what we knew. And to me, if it goes back to normal, I feel like that'd be weird. I feel like we learned nothing, <laughs> you know? So it's okay. You know, I, I don't hold grudges <laughs> on those things. You know? There are people trying to put it back to normal. What well, we don't even know what normal is. <laughs> like We that. know what it was. And, and I think that people get afraid and they want to go back to what they know, even though what they know wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And so it it seems like you, though, you, you, you work through the uncomfortable. 
Yeah, it, um, I mean, pressure makes diamonds, right? And so the one constant that I can have is myself because your environment is ever changing. Like that's never going to stop. And I think that's a part of, you know, society where our collective thinking has to change. Like Mm -hmm. we've seen through time, it will always change. Nothing will ever be the same. Someone will always want to see a different perspective on something. And we just need to accept that that's okay. And that you can still operate how you want to operate in your space, but you can't force other people to do what you want them to do. And so my hope in all of that's taken place is that we just respect the fact that we can agree to disagree and we can control our own environments, which is our homes, ourselves, but it doesn't mean we have to force the rest of the world to change in a way that we want it to. We just have to be able to be adaptable and go along for the ride. Um, and, you know, I feel like in knowing that our bodies change, right? We age, you know, we grow, we go through different things. Um, we're constantly learning that lesson anyways. So instead of fighting it, you know, rock with it because you gain so much more when you kind of let go of the wheel sometimes, you know? Um, and I, sometimes I feel like it's relieving to not have this heavy burden of expectation of like, it needs to go this way. Sometimes it's like, you know, it's kind of really cool that it went this way. Um, so yeah, I think people are, are nervous about being outside of their comfort zone because that's what we've trained everybody to believe. You know, you, you go to work, go home, you do the, the family thing. And, and that, that means life is good. And, and it's not for a lot of people, you know, cause that doesn't include taking care of yourself. That's not the, the forefront anymore. It's work, work, work. And then you can earn your rest, you know, once you've worked, it's like, that's not how that works. So people are just scared because they're finally getting the opportunity to choose. Yeah. And they never have been able to do that before. And I've asked this of another guest and and maybe this is a little bit different than what we're talking about, but aren't there just some things that are wrong and that we should bend people's will to? So I do understand that there are some subjects or ways of living that can be very morally disturbing, right? We've seen it all throughout history and even to today, but I still feel like your will is your will. And if you want to go be crazy over there, go be crazy over there. Just don't bring it to me. You know, Mm -hmm. I think there's still a level of, of respect of if we strip it all away, the one thing that we have control over is our power to choose. And so forcing people, you get way more resistance when you force people rather than just say, Here's what we're offering. If you're down for it, great. If you're not, this is a space that we hold this in. This might not be the place for you. And I feel like we have pockets of that. You know, we have different countries and societies and, you know, but it is the, the in-between of, I don't like that y'all do that. And instead of being like, cool, peace be over there. It's, I don't like that y'all do that. I think you should do it my way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, the tricky territory that we get in. Now, when we're talking about, you know, the moralities of, of life and, you know, a lot of the terrible things that take place. Yeah. Sure. I do think that there should be consequences, right. Of if you are going to pull that trigger, if yeah. you are going to take it upon yourself to overstep someone's right to choose something, there will be consequences, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm not going to force you to choose. You just need to know here are the options. And there are consequences to that. And so I think when we operate in that type of mindset, there can be a a collective cohesion because it's not taking away people's power. It's learn you, work through. And and a lot of it, you know, I feel like a lot of the, you know, the the murder and the destruction and all of that, half of that is because we're not allowed to figure ourselves out because we're so conditioned in this way of we have to operate this way. Yeah. We, we were never given the option of, you know, I think of um, medical diagnosis. When do yeah. treatment plans include mental health? Yeah. Yeah. Take this medication, but at the same time, let's get you a therapist and we're not going to make going to therapy way more expensive than picking up the medication, right? Yeah. We're going to put them in a package deal because this is hard stuff. 
And people have to be able to mentally and spiritually work through the hard stuff, Mm -hmm. but we're, we're, we're stripping that out. And that's what controls how people make their choices. So if we, if we set up the system to where it's like, we're respecting you as an individual, and we're going to give you the tools on how you can work through these difficult decisions. I feel like the world will look a little bit different and there might be a, a little less craziness because people are allowed to address those, those parts of ourselves that we as a society say, that's bad. It's not, yeah. it's not bad. It's just, we have to work through it. We have to, you know, I, I like the, uh, the yin and yang thought because they're both there. Sun's up during the day, moon's up during the night. Is the moon bad because it's dark? No. It just is what it is. And we have to have both, you know, so. Giving people a way to deal with the shaming and the blaming. I'm sure with a medical diagnosis such as diabetes, I'm sure that you've been shamed and blamed plenty. I, you know, I know that goes on. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's something that the diabetic community is constantly having conversations about. And it's a big part of, you know, my show and that I started out it being just for type two diabetics and midway through my second season, I was like, you know what? No, that's not the conversation that needs to be had. I need to talk to everybody. And this season alone, I've had someone who's had type two. I've had someone who's reverse type two. I've had someone who has a uh, Modi, which is a, a deeper genetic form of it. I've had someone who are uh, plenty of type ones. Um, and it's frustrating for all of us because if I just say diabetes, people already have a thought to it right? But then if you say, oh, I have type one, which are are typically insulin dependent folks, there's a bit more empathy. There's a bit more, oh, well, you didn't cause that. Right, right. But you say type two, right? Whether you're insulin dependent or not, it's, oh, well, you know, I literally heard a medical professional in a clubhouse room say once, oh, well, you know, let's be real. Type two is just a series of bad choices and you got what you got. I'm like, are you shitting me? Like, no, like diabetes runs in my family. There is a genetic component to that. Um, And yes, I understand that fat equates to higher insulin resistance, right? But that doesn't mean that my weight is 100% the culprit either. So having an endocrinologist tell you, oh, well, if you just drop 40 pounds and take this medication, then we'll wean you off the medication. As long as you don't gain the weight back, you'll be fine. And as a woman on top of that, with these crazy beauty standards, I'm sorry, 40 pounds, right? I don't think I'm meant to be stickly thin, right? You're telling me there's no way. I mean, sure, some weight, losing a few inches, not pounds, sure. But a complete radical body haul that I'm going to have to stress over to maintain, that's not livable. When we shame and blame people, we're not dealing with what the real issue is because diabetes has a number of causes, whether it be polycystic ovaries, Mm -hmm. whether it may be that you have some fat around your belly Mm -hmm. or it is uh, the genetic component. There's so many things. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely appreciate the Hayes movement, which is um, health at every size. Um, And there are more and more uh, medical professionals who are um, starting to pay attention to those resources and um, include that in their in their bios because it's what I what I feel is something important to notice and part of why I wanted to start the second show is if I feel good about me inside it is going to reflect outside because the decisions that I make for myself are going to be they're going to be more impactful so what I mean by that is okay, if I feel really good about who I am, when I go fix myself something to eat, regardless of my diagnosis, I'm not necessarily going to be thinking about fast food. You know, I'm like, man, now I I truly love salad any time of the day, you know, but like (laughs) you start thinking about those decisions of like, man, it'd be really great to just sit here and cook some breakfast versus grabbing the frozen thing out of there. You know, even my taste buds sometimes have shifted because it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel like having greasy stuff. Like, you know, do I still have it sometimes? Sure. But I do it in moderation. I don't go overboard. I don't restrict myself because, oh, don't do this. You know, it's going to send your diabetes crazy. It's like, you know, I'm going to live and have the freaking cookie. Like, it's okay. I know how to manage that. And as long as I'm not eating the whole pack, I'll be fine. You know, I'm yeah. not going to miss out on life. Um, if I ever get to Italy, 
<laughs> like it's a done yeah. deal, you know? Um, but it's something that, man, if we really start, um, I learned this in my training at Apple. I used to work for Apple at one point and they have a great training program for a lot of their entry-level positions. And one thing that they taught us in the customer service side is treat the person, then the problem. Because half the time people called in and they had a really shitty day and their kids are going crazy in the background. And then they got a laundry list of things to do on top of having to go to work, all of that. And they're just stressed the hell out. And sometimes on top of that, my phone won't work. Let's take a collective breath. You doing okay? Yeah. And then they're more willing to work with you. And then you solve your problem on top of that. It's great. And that's what people need to understand. Like if I come into your office and I'm stressed the hell out because I need to lose 40 pounds and my body's not responding to the medication or whatever, are you okay? How has your stress levels been? What's your environment like at home? But the clinics that these doctors are in are set up to just down the line, down the line. I force my medical team to sit and deal with me. <laughs> like there, there is no five second rule here. It's I write a list. I need to talk to you about six things. We're going to get through these six things and then I, we'll, we'll come up with a plan and then we'll leave because we have to advocate for ourselves. They've got the expertise. You have the context and we have to force them to hear the context and not allow our doctors to turn into our parents because no doctor's lecturing me. We're going to work together on this. And so when we don't treat the person, you know, it leads to all of these excess things um, because I do way more. My, my numbers have been in better range now that I've been just what feels good for Taylor, what's grounding me, what's making my mind feel good, what's making my body feel good, what's making my spirit feel good. And it's just, it's just a ripple effect. And now I'm like, I'm almost excited to go to my doctor's office. Like, hmm, let's see what these numbers look like. No, I didn't lose 40 pounds, but you know, I'm getting there, I guess. I don't know, but you know, let's take the test. Let's see, <laughs> because I feel good. I wake up feeling good. And that's more important to me than fitting a beauty standard that wasn't even designed around my body in the first place. So, yeah. Yeah. And to go back on the history of why the beauty standard is that way, it makes you realize it, it wasn't for anybody. Mm -hmm. And, but it seems like you found being an advocate for yourself really works for you uh, with your diagnosis, but it also, uh, it seems like, has it worked for you in you finding room at the table for yourself? Yes, because I am, I, I recognize more who, <clears throat> excuse me, who I should surround myself with. And I also recognize more the spaces where I don't need to be shy and speak up because, you know, we're, we're all kind of conditioned to make assumptions on people and their first impressions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so instead of making myself digestible for people, I'm just going to come up front as Taylor. And every time that I've come up front as Taylor, I've gotten more support and more like, hey, I want to work with you and more opportunities that are coming my way simply because I didn't sugarcoat anything. And I'm, I'm giving you, here's what you're going to get with me. And, you know, sometimes, yeah, it takes a little bit more conversation because there's so many areas that you can yeah. learn about a person, but it has made doing my own thing so much better because people are just respecting it. People are like, you know, I wish I would do that. I have, I've had two friends um, uh, who are also, at, you know, coworkers as well. Um, one who recently quit and the other, she kind of, uh, she's also an influencer. Um, she is in the vegan space, but she's working full time and also doing her, uh, her blog and, and, you know, vegan advocacy and she's making money. And she's like, I'm actually making more money doing this, which is what she wants to do than her actual job. I said, then leave that shit. You're good. And she's like, I'm so nervous. I'm like, you're already seeing results. I'm not even making a lot of money yet. Right. And I just said, all right, let's do it. You know, you actually have built the stability and I get it scary because you don't know when the next check is just do it. it just, do you know how you're going to feel when you can wake up and the only thing you need to work on is you and your stuff? it changes everything. And so um, just seeing people saying, you know, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to learn by your example and figuring out their own way is it, it's confirmation that being myself 
is okay. And I'm, I'm preparing myself for the day where somebody doesn't like me. And that's cool too, because yeah. I don't expect everybody to like me. And it's okay yeah. if you don't, just don't be disrespectful. You know what I mean? And yeah. so um, I found a lot of people being way more receptive to me and I feel so much better not trying to formulate a response that feels like you, you'll receive this well. If you need clarity, we'll, we'll hash out the clarity, but coming as myself has been so relieving because I'm just not mentally drained of trying to tiptoe and dance around how should I say this? I'm just going to say it and we'll work through the rest, you know? So do you push through the fear or just accept that the fear is going to be there? It's a little bit of both. Um, you know, accepting that the fear is going to be there. I've, I've kind of reframed that as that's my indicator that I probably should be doing it in the first place. You know, I kind of have this, um, this literal reaction where I get this feeling in my belly when I talk about something that I'm passionate about or when I'm brainstorming or when I'm in, in flow, something I start like physically leaning forward. It's like, I'm, I've got a physical compass inside of me. That's like, yes, whatever this is, keep, keep going, keep going. And fear is, is a natural thing in our bodies because our bodies can't actually decipher this is a bad thing this is not you know the the feeling of getting up <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> the feeling of getting up on stage versus seeing a spider you know <clears throat> sorry uh my body is going to respond the same way it takes my mind to filter that to say hey stage cool spider no i hate spiders <laughs> you know <laughs> um so it comes with it because it's just your defense mechanism. And once you realize and this is how I appreciate my body so much more, it's like, it's brought me through so much and it's simply just trying to protect me. And sometimes it's just like, you know, overprotective parents sometimes just like, it's okay, mom and dad, I'm gonna go do it. Look, I'm okay. And you know how they say like when, when babies first start walking and they fall, you're not supposed to freak out because they don't know yet. They haven't connected that memory. Yeah. So it's kind of that same yeah. thing of like, I know the fear is going to be there. I know it's going to happen, but I have to work through it because I might fall. But if I go, oh my God, you fell. Oh, well, I need to break down now, right? I need to have a total freak out versus, hey, look at that. Come on, get up. Keep going. Oh, okay. That one's so bad, you know? And so um, it, it definitely is both. And you just have to learn how, you know, each kind of switches in and out and how to respond to it. What would you like to tell the audience that maybe I haven't asked you about yet? Mm. <clears throat> I would say, because all of this sounds really great and fluffy and amazing and all of that, right? Sure. But make no mistake, it's going to be hard. Some days are going to suck. And that is okay. I don't think we say that enough. I don't think that we pair that in with all of the positive stuff, you know, I, I hear um, the phrase toxic positivity circling around a lot. And, and you know, I do think it is a thing um, where we try to overcompensate for, we just want everybody to feel good, but it's just creating this ideal that we can never acknowledge the bad. And, and I say air quotes bad, because it's not always necessarily bad, it's just misunderstood. So it's okay if you wake up one day and you're not feeling it, it happens to me. I'm not going to sit here and say, I wake up every day and I'm awesome. No, some days I wake up and I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling it. But what that does tell me is I deserve rest and I should take it slow and I shouldn't overwhelm myself. And if people start to overstep my boundaries of I'm in a weird space, I need to be able to speak up for myself and say, Hey, okay, I'm going to get this done. I just need a minute. Cause I'm, I'm feeling this kind of space and I'm just trying to try to manage and keep this all in check. So if you could just give me some time or, you know, especially in the corporate space, I know the Slack messages start coming in back to back to back. And it's just like, okay, I'm, I'm letting you know, I've received this. Can I get a minute? Or can these two tasks be passed off? Like I'm, I'm having a, a rough day and I just need to, to take it slow. Right. Um, and the minute we start acknowledging that and speaking to that, it, people will start to, um, understand that. And that pattern kind of builds. Cause when I was a manager and people told me that I was like, okay, I'll need to go ham on you today about some stuff. Right. This might not be the best day to give you some feedback about something that might not have went well. We'll, we'll navigate around that. You know, maybe I need to check in a couple more times. Like, Hey, are you good? You know, 
it, it causes a reaction where people will honor that because everybody has bad days. And the idea that we just need to suck it up and push through it all the time, we're not robots. We are human beings and we deserve to feel what we feel and have those things happen, but we also should learn how to work through them you know, so we can still navigate and, and function. And so I see those harder days as um, kind of like a reminder, like superwoman, you got to go back to your, your, your Clark Kent light, if you, if you will, sometimes it's okay. It's okay to go run around in the cornfield for a little bit and not fly around and save the world. Right. Um, so that's what I would say is it's okay. If days are hard, don't avoid it. Don't ignore it. Don't put it away work through it because everybody has and the toxic positivity resonates with me because not everything is going to be easy or always positive and we're afraid to show that to people as though it'll make us imperfect whereas we are imperfect we are perfectly imperfect yeah yeah exactly and that's the beauty of humanity is if we were meant to be perfect they'd be selling that instead of all these other billion dollar companies like that's what they would be selling yeah so at the point that nobody's figured that out, you might as well be yourself. And that's yeah. probably way more awesome than any perfect ideal in the first place. And it sounds like you've found that that's what moves you forward. Yeah, because, you know, nobody's me. And so if I keep trying to fight to live someone else's life or, or through their lens, I will never know how I actually perceive the world. And so it makes life fun again, honestly, because it's like everything is new and fresh because I, I actually have taken the time to understand what does Taylor like? What does Taylor believe in? What does Taylor want to fight for versus, you know, and, and I don't blame my parents at all for any of this because they were doing the best they, they could. Yeah. And that's what they were told to do is teach them to do this. Yeah. But they also taught me to think for myself. And so sometimes it's even, I've even told my dad, he hates his job. And I'm like, quit pursue yeah. your music do your thing you've earned it your kids are grown we're out the house you've earned it you can go Life back to being short yeah you can go back to being tony you don't have to be dad you're also you you're also yourself and that that came into the world first before any of us so yeah. you know it's um it feels good doing stuff for my lens and and learning from others you know I don't see it as a, mm -hmm. a challenge or competition or I need to see something this way I love perspective so it's like huh never thought about that. Let me check that out, you know, versus fearing it. So. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of your new show. Is there room for me? It's either, I think by the time this airs, it'll be starting soon. Mm -hmm. uh, so where will people find that? Yeah. So I will be live streaming the show um, on Wednesday afternoons, I think 3.30 Central Standard Time um, through Twitch and YouTube simultaneously. Um, and I'm still playing around with it. So the days and times may change, but those are the two platforms where you'll find it. Um, and if you want to check it out or if you want updates on it, you can always check out my Instagram at just Taylor Danielle. That's Danielle with one L, D-A-N-I-E-L-E. -E. Um, and that's where I have all the announcements about the show and uh, all the things I'll be talking about. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The We as Citizens podcast, because conversation matters.